I know you're Scott Calvin. You know you're Scott Calvin. So let's make this simple. I say name, you say Scott Calvin. Name? 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 Okay, Calvin. Maybe a couple hours in the tank will change your mind. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Generation Loss, the Christmas episode. Hey, did you almost call it Beep Beep Lettuce? I felt like no. I could see a beep forming in your mouth. <laughs> Listen, there's been a lot of podcasts this week. <laughs> Somebody in the Discord, on the Ball and Out Discord, pointed out that I've been in five podcast episodes this week. Uh-huh. Which is too much. Too much. It's too much. Yeah. I, it's like what I imagine the life of like Ian Mackay is, <laughs> except with documentaries. Oh um, yeah, always being like, "Hey, I'm making a movie that's tangentially about punk." Yeah, Can you or talk indie to me? rock, or uh, like college rock. You could do, yeah. Uh, you could do like stuff about like uh, record capitalism, labels, record yeah. labels, oh, yeah. yeah. And then like you know, zoom out the lens. Fuck about DC. Yeah, anything, anything <laughs> at all could have Ian McKay in it, just with a weird ass hat on his head, just being like. Yeah, so you know, like uh, me and my friends, we we like cut out the paper ourselves to make our records. Yeah, that's we like only, the only ever tried. Yeah. <laughs> and him telling Universal to go fuck themselves. Yeah, and that's, that's it. it. Uh, well, anyway. Yeah, anyways, it's, welcome to the Christmas episode. It's almost Christmas. Thank you for listening to the show about movies. Today we're doing the Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, and we are not going to talk about all of the other shows that we were on. <laughs> but do listen to the Poddam America episode. It's fun. Um. Yeah, that's on our feed. Yeah. Presumably, if you're listening to this, you've probably already listened to that. That's right. So thank you for and listening not, to it. Go back and listen to it. <laughs> it's very fun. There's going to be some canon stuff you're going to need to know. <laughs> you're not yeah. going to understand the story. <laughs> <laughs> so because of all of the fucking podcasts we did this week, uh, we have not watched anything That's new, true. So. I'm fully saturated on talking about the stuff I watched yeah. this week. So Actually, I did watch... Um, <laughs> I did watch, um, uh, finally, uh, World War II in color. I don't know what that is. It's like a documentary on Netflix that's like World War II, but in color, and like all the footage is like colorized. And oh, like, I, I think some of it might be actually like old color cameras that like existed at the time. Yeah, it looks beautiful. I do remember when this trailer came out. It's really cool. It's like not bad at all. And um, I mean, listen. We all know the story okay? <laughs> of like, World it's, War Two. It's, it's a real the... retread. It's like a soft reboot sort of a scenario. <laughs> They're not exactly rebooting the franchise, but it's like pretty much the same. Like the main difference is it's in color. Is now. it mostly from Americans? Like, is it mostly of American people, or or is it? Oh like no, no, no! It Soviets and like, Nazis, and it tells the exact story that you know of World War Two, where it's like it starts with. Hitler rising to power. And he goes to annex Poland or exactly, whatever. Exactly, yep. Okay. Hits Poland, hits hits all over Europe, and then uh, Neville Chamberlain is like, Oi, mate, don't <laughs> be doing that. 
Wait, so, it, but it's all, like, archival footage, yeah? Yeah, it's all, like, old footage, and then they cut away to, like, historians oh, now no, okay. who are like, and this is where Hitler really makes a mistake. It's exactly <laughs> yeah. what you think it is. Like, there's nothing breaking the mold about this in terms of, like, World War II documentaries, except yeah. it's all in color. It might as well be Ken Burns in color. I think it's actually narrated by um, Ken Attenborough, or David Attenborough. David Attenborough. Yeah, I think. Or it's a guy that sounds just fucking like him. Uh, or Richard Attenborough. Well, he's dead now. What? His 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 brother who plays the John in Jurassic Park. That's his brother? Yeah, David Attenborough's brother. What? <laughs> <laughs> that fucking rules. Hello, I don't John. know why I'm so excited about that. <laughs> Hello, John. I wow. really hate that man. Imagine David Attenborough saying yeah. those lines, the same thing. Oh, so good. I really hate that man. But the thing about David Attenborough that, like, I don't think that he'd be able to deliver the lines as David Attenborough because no. part of what makes him sound like he does is that he's very clearly sitting. And hushed, yeah. And, like, yeah, in a quiet room. I always say this about pilots, that, like, pilots sound a very distinctly sort of soft way. Because yeah. they're talking into a tiny little microphone that's right in front of them, and they're in a small room with another person, so they don't want to talk too loud. But we don't sound like that. We don't sound like that. <laughs> we're no, sitting we're in, in a big room right <laughs> This now. room is a ca- cavernous. You compare this to a cockpit, huge. <laughs> huge room. Yeah, in terms of cockpits... <laughs> Enormous. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go straight to movie news yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, So we're going to do movie news, uh, and there's a lot this week. So uh, much. And I almost feel like we're like behind on some of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were going to do it when we did the pod damn show, but yeah. then we kind of just went straight to Ed Schweppen, so. Right. Let's, because there's so much to talk th- about. So much to talk about. Anyway, so, okay, so first story this week, Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Trailer came out. Did you see it? No. Oh, my God. Okay, so here's the thing. Top Gun. Tell me about it. Beloved. Love that movie. Big fan. Terrible politics. Really good movie. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you, like, have you seen Top Gun? No. Really? I've never seen it. Oh, my God. We got to do an episode on I it. I know. Because it is, like, it. like uh, copaganda, but for the, the Navy. <laughs> oh, no, right. That Navy. They're naval aviators. That's what's even better about it, is that, like, the easiest move would have been... Yeah, they're in the fucking Air Force. It's the Airplanes movie. Yeah. But because of the fact that there needs to be homoerotic tension, I <laughs> genuinely think that that's why they chose the Navy. Really? Because like most of what the movie is about... So you think about, the movie's on purpose homoerotic? Oh, for sure it is, yes. Oh. No, this is like... It's straight up like Yowie. It is like <laughs> yeah. so much of Boy it. Is like, it's like watching like BBC Sherlock where you're like, we see what you're doing. Like this is supposed to make you... like. It's the OG queer baiting. Yeah, there's no other way to see it except like these are muscly men greased up playing volleyball with each yeah. other. Of course, it's supposed to turn you on. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing else for that scene to do. Right, because even if you're trying to make like a macho fucking military man movie, this is why growing up, my next door neighbor hated that movie and refused to watch it because he's like a wild old Catholic homophobe. <laughs> It's really gay. Yeah, he's like, Tom Cruise is gay and so is this movie. I'm not watching it. And I always wanted to watch it because it's like one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Anyway, the point is... Because you're gay. Yeah, because I'm gay, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it's a great movie. Uh, They're making a very clearly just like cynical, soft reboot bullshit sort of thing. Okay, so it's none of the same actors. One same actor, Tom Cruise. He's in it. now is a 
teacher at Top Gun. So the thing is that the story of Top Gun is Tom Cruise is like a little shit pilot. Is Top Gun a school? Top Gun's a school, yeah. So Top Gun is the school that you go to to get better at airplanes. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you, uh, you, like, at the beginning, Maverick is like, like a hot-headed little shit and everyone's like Maverick you're too much and he's like huh, stop me then and then they send yeah, this, him to school to this, get better this sounds like Persona 4 <laughs> it is straight up an anime premise like yeah. there's nothing not gay anime about this so yeah go so to he, airplane school you little bitch yeah sorry we have to send you to the most competitive airplane school there is sorry 80% of students crack and drop out hope you make it and then he thrives under the pressure and yeah. also almost kisses a lot of guys <laughs> including Tom Garrett uh and Val Kilmer is yeah. the one that he like comes really close well to. Tom Garrett is the one where he like walks in on him when he's in his tidy whities uh-huh. and he's like looking in the mirror and he's like putting water on his face and then Tom Garrett comes behind him and puts his <laughs> arm on his shoulder I've seen that scene. I've seen a lot of scenes it's a gay movie oh yo it's big That's gay what it is <laughs> so what's the move what's so the now they're doing a they're doing a remake where now he's a teacher at Top Gun or they're bringing him in as a teacher at Top Gun he's like I didn't think that I'd be invited back and they're like guess what we needed to make another movie <laughs> this uh, is your alma mater buddy the lack of confidence this movie has in itself is like astounding because right from the get go they're like they show Tom Cruise. They're not showing you any other characters. This is who's... <laughs> who's the lead actors? Like nobody's? Tom Cruise. Okay. It's the Tom Cruise show. <laughs> like the smart move would have been to have like brought in some hot young actors to be the new hot guys. But right. instead, they're like, yeah, sure. It's Tom Cruise again. Why not? He's the teacher now. So he comes in. And then what follows is everything that you remember from Top Gun. But volleyball. they redid it. Yeah, there's a volleyball scene you get a little quick shot of. You see him do the flyover of Airplanes. the tower. Um Maverick, you see him do like a like a dogfight. I think they even show somebody like eject out of the plane. Like okay. it's everything from the movie is in this. So you at home are just like, oh yeah, okay. So it's the same movie. I'll go see it. <laughs> are you excited? Of course, I'm gonna go see it. Yes, it's your favorite it looks, movie. At the end, it shows him in the fucking Blackbird, which is extremely cool. <laughs> The Blackbird was a uh, oh, oh. stealth airplane in the uh, I think sixties and seventies. It was like during mm. uh, like Korea and Vietnam. It was a stealth jet that flew like so high up that they needed to wear spacesuits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it flew so fast that like it couldn't really be tracked, and it took pictures. Are you a plane guy? I'm an I'm everything. <laughs> I'm all kinds of gear, man. I love all this shit, but um. Yeah, so the thing is that uh, when you're a kid, you see it, and it's this big black airplane, and you're like, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. And then they're like, it's the fastest one, and you're like, what? And then <laughs> they're like, it, it also it radar like- can't see it. And you're like, hell yeah, what do they do with it? And they're like, it takes pictures. And you're like, all right. All right. <laughs> oh, get the toy. <laughs> I, I remember the only plane that I ever cared about was the stealth bomber <laughs> the only plane i ever it's such a great sentence <laughs> the only plane i ever cared about was the stealth bomber because yeah, the it, triangle one because right? it looks like a spaceship it yeah. looks like a spaceship uh-huh. it looks and like i remember a big, uh, like a dorito rose parade one time like when i lived in la uh-huh. it like flew over our house and what? caused a sonic boom damn that's so cool you could see it it's just it was amazing. That owns. And I was like, I love that plane. I yeah, had a little I toy of it. I wish flew over my house. <laughs> you gotta live in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, near all the fucking uh, Air right. Force airfields. So Generation Loss is just straight up excited about Top Gun Remake. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure that the politics will be abysmal. Oh. And I'm sure that I'm going to leave it being like, wow, that's this not, is fucked up and yeah. it's a bad movie and I hate it, but I'm for sure going to go see it. <laughs> okay. 110% I will see it. I'll watch it. I'll, I should, we should watch, we should do like a double feature maybe. When we, when we do this episode, we should both watch Top Gun and Top the, Gun the new one. Yeah. Afterburner. Gun. What is yeah. it called? <laughs> oh, Top Gun Maverick. Oh, that sucks. Which is even worse because that's the main character's name. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, I guess it's like very similar to the Star Wars thing where it's uh, speaking like of you're calling it Skywalker. Shitty so remakes. Knows. Uh, yeah. So, so that's the other story uh, this week is... Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. No one cares. It's very cool. Wow. I'm so excited (laughs) to find out what happens to Ray. Well, yeah. I mean, we talked. Did we talk about on the last episode how J.J. Abrams was just throwing Ryan Johnson under the bus? Yes. Okay. So we, we touched on that. And what's been really enjoyable about the follow up to this is that now we know what happened yeah you know like the 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 reviews have been coming in and the reviews have been i would call abysmal abysmal it's it's a it's a stream of negativity coming their way it is like it's it's like a firing line just like shooting each and every one of them into a mass grave like it is (laughs) over for star wars now (laughs) i really hope i said this on twitter that i i hope that this is the death knell of J.J. Abrams' career because it's astonishing that this guy has failed upwards so hard. So hard, Like, yeah. I mean, it seems like monetarily maybe not, but like, and I know that's all that matters, but yeah. the guy has never made a good movie. That's the thing is he keeps making progressively worse movies and they make progressively more money. <laughs> he is like the messiah of hacks. Right. He is like the most, like he'll be studied in... Media studies courses in the future, like film schools, will have whole courses on JJ, King of the Hacks. Yeah, he's the emperor. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He's of course he's going to keep getting stuff. They're going to give him like you know what they're going to do. They're I just give want him, like, the Godfather to... to remake. There's going to be some like <laughs> it's going to be like the dead end of remake culture when they start like they're not doing childhood nostalgia anymore. They're not doing action anymore. Right. Now they're doing classics <laughs> the remake of casablanca featuring yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by jj Abrams. yeah starring uh timothy chalamon <laughs> and emma watson <laughs> yeah that'll suck by jj abrams oh and it'll make it'll so happen. much money because oh yeah it'll have like a it'll have like a titanic type of a narrative mm-hmm. to it where they'll have like a song that gets released ahead of time that's really sappy and romantic and you're gonna love this Ooh, and when the nazis take over it'll be like a hashtag resistance movie when they're like <laughs> singing the french anthem again you know <laughs> and the libs will love it Anyway, yeah, Rise of Skywalker, not doing so hot. No, it's got a 53, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes right now, which is pretty bad. It's pretty bad because these are earlies. Like, these are the early reviews. Can we talk about the spoilers? I think so. I mean, yeah. every does anyone who listens to the show give? If you listen to the show and you give a shit about Star Wars, turn it off. <laughs> yeah, uh, the show's not for you. Yeah, but also, um, I don't know. We'll like drop in a tag or something of when to skip to. I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. Just, just I'm just saying. Keep hitting the fifteen I'm just until you the, hear one of us say something not about Star Wars. <laughs> the spoilers are that the Last Jedi didn't matter at all. Yeah, and like 
They completely retcon. They pretend like it didn't exist. Right. And that's it's absurd. Like Kylo smashes his helmet at the end of the second one. Last Jedi, and then in the mo- next in this movie, he just it's fixed. Yeah, he just like opens he's a like, box and actually, he's like, hey, cool new helmet. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> actually, all that emotional progression didn't matter. But then it seems like they're doing the same thing because at the end of this movie, they like team up and kill the Emperor. Yeah. I guess the Emperor is yeah, here I guess the now. Emperor is back also. It's the thing is that it it makes sense given what we were hearing last week, right? Mm-hmm. You hear so much about how. They're, you know, throwing Ryan Johnson under the bus and they're like talking shit about that whole movie and whatever. It makes sense that the like the whole setup for this movie is like, actually, that one didn't exist. But right. What's great about this is that because they did that, they had to add a whole second movie's worth of plot points into this. And this is the main thing that I keep hearing from reviews is that it just feels psychotic with how much (laughs) shit they try to cram into this movie to make up for the fact that they're pretending there wasn't a second one. And it feels like this is. JJ's chickens coming home to roost mm-hmm. in a really beautiful way. And like, I know this will have no consequences on him or his career, but you have to know that he feels like garbage as an artist. I hope so. I really hope I so. I hope he cries. <laughs> I hope he looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score and just wept and like punched his dog or something. <laughs> Yeah, I hope this hurts real bad. Like I again, I know it won't hurt his bottom line. I, I hope know he'll get another movie. He'll yeah, just keep going. He'll just be like, "Well, we're going to do ET again." Him in a serious way. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to be honest. I don't care about Star Wars, but it's because of the last six movies. Uh-huh. I loved Star Wars growing up. Like mm-hmm. it was great. I. I I think it's very cool and like in to fucking hate on Star Wars now. Yeah. Because it sucks. I mean, like the last six movies were all awful. Essentially, all it is is just Happy Meal toys just being thrown at one another. Right. And like even the whole nostalgia around it was all defined by capitalism. And Mm -hmm. like the reason it's so beloved is because of the marketing and because of the toys. And so now that we're in 2020 almost, it's very cool to be like, it always sucked. Yeah. But the truth is is that even if they're not the best movies, I loved them as a kid and I would have really liked to see someone who really cared about the movies mm-hmm. make a story that made sense. Like yeah. I would have liked that. I don't think they would have been incredible films, but it would have been emotionally satisfying to me. Yeah. And I'm am really mad at J. Dre. <laughs> well, I think I think the moment that I knew that this was not going to end well. Like, you know, you heard the news of Disney buying yeah. Star Wars, right? And you start looking at it, and you're like, well, they seem to be doing, like, good stuff with the Marvel thing. Everybody seems to like that pretty fine. And yeah. you're like, maybe they'll do a good job with Star Wars. Who the fuck knows? But then it's it's when they started saying that they were going to get rid of the extended universe. People got scared, yeah. That's when I was like, oh, no. So they're not going to... Because like, that's the cool thing about Star Wars, right? is I stand by my take on Star Wars, which is that A New Hope is the only good one. <laughs> right. They should have stopped when they were ahead. But because they had to make Empire, which I think is a good movie, but ruins Star Wars by adding to it. Okay. Right? I think that... Because I don't think Revenge of... I, I'm with you, except I think one and two... You know, Empire is good too, uh-huh. and I do think Jedi is bad. <laughs> I do think Jedi is bad. Yeah, There's I think the cool only parts, cool thing about it is like the Ewoks. Basically, that's the only. Really, good I part. think the cool yeah. stuff is the Jabba part when Leia dresses up like the bounty hunter and rescues. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good scene. That's too. cool. There's like cool scenes. There's cool. It's scenes. a bad movie. <laughs> the Ewoks are like cool in concept, I think, more than in execution. Yeah, 
uh, by the like, toys. I like the idea of like the the you know primitive people rising up against the imperial forces is oh, very yeah. cool. Luke looking at his black leather hand is pretty cool. There's a lot of cool stuff in it, but yeah. altogether, not a good movie. Right. Empire, I do actually think is a good movie, and I think a fair argument can be made that Empire is better than A New Hope, but I think that it ruins Star Wars by adding lore to it that didn't need to be there. Like, essentially, I see. A New Hope yeah, that is makes a sense. self-contained film that had a lot of deeper and richer pop culture reference type stuff in it that, like, didn't come back again. Like, the idea of... The Moss Eisley Cantina, right? Mm-hmm. When they go in there, it's a Western, you know, and, and, and you're in a totally different type of film, but it's still a sci-fi movie. They never do that again. There's never yeah. an influence on Star Wars again, except itself. After A New Hope, it's not doing Flash Gordon anymore. It's doing Star Wars. Uh, I would argue that Dagobah is a very samurai like going hmm. to meet the like old wizened weird drunken master who's okay. like an idiot but like actually he's incredibly wise and powerful. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But, but you're right. But it's getting not. further away from it yeah. at least. Like, and, like and with each successive one it's like an echo that just gets lighter and lighter until eventually it's like not commenting on anything anymore. Yeah. Like Star Wars is cool because it's it's cool for the reason why people say Tarantino is cool. Because it right. stitched together a lot of disparate influences into a cohesive thing that wasn't any of those things. But I think unlike Tarantino, put it into the 70s idea of the future with like puppets and special mm-hmm. effects and like really throwing everything oh, at the yeah. wall and like uh-huh. creating this whole new world that you hadn't really seen before. Exactly. That's why it's special. And and creating a type of film that like didn't really exist before. Right. <laughs> it's like kicking down the doors of Hollywood in like a totally different way. Right. That, like ultimately isn't cool and isn't good. No. Like, it doesn't lead to positive Star things. Star Wars is the really Nirvana But it's cool to see movies, something yeah. very revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, once they made Empire, then they made it this morose story about, like, space Jesus and, like, the important things that need to come. And, and you know, he, Luke has a secret dad and, like, all this stuff that's, like... I mean, ultimately, these are, like, icons of the of the genre and they're icons of, of the franchise. But I think that... Star Wars A New Hope on its own is way better. Because there's way more to infer at the end, right. you know? But I do like, like, I do like, to a certain extent, the idea of, like, the lore. And, and I think that there there is a world, and I think most fans of the series think this, mm-hmm. that if the fans had their way, even if it was, like, a design by committee, like, even if it was slightly a mess because it was, like, overly democratic, yeah. I think that the fans could have made... A one, two, three, and seven, eight, nine, way better. Yes, than and so Disney and Lucas. That's how I got on this tangent to begin with. Was that the reason why we knew that Disney Star Wars was going to be bad was because they threw out the extended universe. When in reality, like the cool thing about the Star Wars culture was that it was so fan generated. Right. So much of it was people saying, like, the fact that George Lucas opened it up like that is really cool. Nobody else does that. Yeah. You know? The fact that there was a whole community of people building on each other's stories, it's like Wikipedia before Wikipedia, you yeah. know? And also fictional. But. <laughs> I mean, the idea it, is that it's like this huge resource of like meaningless information, <laughs> yeah. essentially. But they're all using each other's meaningless information to make more meaningless information, and that's right. fucking cool. And some of those EU books really felt like way better mm-hmm. at like adding onto the world, and it felt like a democratic type of fiction yeah. where it was like oh well what if we do this and we do this and there was like little parts that you could explore and they all felt sort of like emotionally tied together and mm-hmm. like 
very respectful of everyone else. Um, and a lot of it was crap. That's the thing. Oh, sure. Like, Some of it was to, really like, bad. You always need to acknowledge when you're talking about the Star Wars Extended Universe, there's stuff like Ewok X-Wing pilots. Yeah. You know? There's dumb shit in there, but there's also a lot of really cool stuff. Right. And I had a I had an Extended Universe project. You did? Uh-huh. What yeah. was it? In college, me and my friend Andy, we wrote a comic together called... It needed a better title, but it was Fear and Loathing in Moss Eisley. And the idea was <laughs> cool. it was about journalists covering the Galactic Civil War. And mm. so it was a story of them... And I think the the beginning of the story was supposed to be that like uh, they got a tip that uh, Han Solo's frozen body was being brought to Jabba's palace, and so they go down to Tatooine to to cover the story and to like watch it happen and whatever and uh-huh. to report on it. And then they just get fucked up in Mos Eisley and they like miss it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome! I don't remember what the rest of it was, but the point is we wrote this whole thing and then we started making it and then we were like. Oh, they'll never accept this. Like the Star oh. Wars canon people won't let us do this. No, so no. we should just stop working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that's fun. Like having this like really exciting palette of like this eighties like analog wave mm-hmm. sci fi world where everything's like a cowboy, but like everything's tape. Yeah. Like like the stuff in Rogue One with the technology. Um, where it's like you have they had to like retrieve a videotape. Yeah. Loved that. Uh-huh. Like that kind of stuff was like so cool. And and to have like this democratic thing where you can just like write anything you want and everyone agrees what what fits or whatever, I think is really fun. And just to like have Disney take over and be like, it's gonna be the same thing again. Yeah, we're doing like the same the st- thing again, but this time with kids. It sucks, man. It really fucking sucks. And I I I agree with you that like you know, good on Ryan Johnson for just like, you Taking know, fuck all this. It, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'm going to not do the same thing. It's going to be ridiculous and yeah. it doesn't make any sense, but it's different. And I'd prefer that to everything else. Yeah. So. Anyway. Anyway, we'll see it. So speaking of capitalism through the lens of nostalgia. Yeah. So the, the last story of movie news is uh, so on Twitter earlier this week. There's a man. There's a man. And his name is Noah Bertlatsky. Yeah. Do you know anything about this guy? Uh, Yeah. I mean, he is one of these, like, Twitter famous for the sake of tweeting. Uh-huh. Uh, he doesn't really do anything except write on Patreon. Okay. And he's just a guy who has opinions. And some of them really fucking suck a lot of yeah. the time. He's has doesn't have a... He's a hot take machine. Right. Is I don't know anything else about, about And then, like, an that. outrageous ability to just, like, shut it off afterwards. Like, I was so... like from the perspective of somebody who was annoyed by his take, it was really annoying. But then from the perspective of somebody who has trolled online, you watch this and you're like, Mwah, masterful, like, masterful incredible to, to say. So, okay. So he tweeted something about like, uh, sorry, everybody, but they live is full of anti-Semitic tropes. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody went bananas about it. Everybody is, is up in his mentions and whatever. And then all of his replies to it are just like, somebody will be like, it's not anti-Semitic. And he's like, yeah, good thing I didn't say it was. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Noah, <laughs> Just what like are you doing? Twisting your brain in such an absurd way. <laughs> it's really powerful stuff. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so he ended up writing a whole thing about it uh, on his Patreon page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, which we I, didn't pay for. It was up for free, which, you know, good on him, I guess. Well, it was like defending himself. And it's funny because I don't know. This is his work. This is his entertainment is yeah. annoying people online. <laughs> so it's like, I don't even know if he did this in a, 
in an actual like attempt to get his point across Mm -hmm. or just to annoy people further. Well, so did you read the article? Because I didn't read it yet. Um, No, I haven't read it. So this looks like a lot to have written as a bit. You know, like maybe you could extend this out for like three paragraphs if you didn't believe it. (laughs) Yeah. But all right. So let's let's dive into this. So this is from Noah Berlatsky's uh, Patreon page. And the article is called The Vision of They Live. I mentioned on Twitter that They Live is a mass of anti-Semitic tropes. (laughs) Mostly, people screamed at me for daring to criticize the film. Yep. But there were a couple points that sparked some interesting thoughts. So I thought I'd write briefly about them here. Okay, so first and foremost, his his takeaway from this, for the most part, had been people are mad at me for criticizing the film. And I want to, before we get too far into this, I want to put out there, I don't think They Live is a good movie. (laughs) I think it's fun. It's fine. It's like goofy, you know, but I also think it's heavy handed and stupid. So I'm not coming at this from a perspective of reverence for this fucking okay. movie. Okay. Uh, as fans know, They Live is a story about a working class white guy who discovers <laughs> that aliens are using media to control the minds of humans. Uh-huh. Our hero, is it Nada or Nada? Do you I remember? Don't know. Whatever, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, Roddy Piper. Our our hero, Roddy Piper, finds glasses which allow him to see the aliens for what they really are as they walk among us. Oh, it's actually not it. I remember, yeah. It's not a? Okay. Uh, It also shows him hidden messages in advertising and media. What? Fashion magazines and billboards tell him to procreate, consume, and obey. Right. Everything turns into Banksy. (laughs) What? That's the thing about it is like, I... Like, that's my take on the movie, is that it's everything turns into Banksy, the movie. Like, it's yeah. not... Like, Banksy is already heavy-handed, this is and more this is, like, way worse. I feel like this is more Shepard Fairey than oh, okay. Banksy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that too, yeah. yeah. But Shepard Fairey, I think, actually lifted that idea straight from this. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Carpenter intended the film as a critique of Reagan's 80s capitalism. It depicted marginal workers and homeless people being exploited for the interests of wealthy aliens who have come to plunder our planet. Unfortunately, embodying the evil, evil in shape-shifting, assimilating alien invaders makes the bad guys look less like a homegrown capitalist class and more like anti-Semitic imagery parasitic all right (laughs) carpenter is broadcasting messages he doesn't understand okay so here's where it gets here's where it starts to get a little hairy so first of all what's your take on carpenter is broadcasting messages he doesn't understand he's absolutely he understands like carpenter has said exactly what the movie's about he knows what the movie's about here's my opinion is that the idea that criticizing capital is anti-semitic is a nazi trope yeah like that's a thing that's saying like oh you can't criticize it's a liberal thing right like like you you can't talk about the bankers they'll do something to you like they'll they'll make bad things happen well not only that but like you can't talk about you can't like criticize banking and Mm -hmm. the elites because that's jewish yeah is anti-semitic uh-huh. like calling elitist like the ruling class jews you're right <laughs> is anti-semitic so exactly. you're just like if so you're either being anti-semitic or you're being a liberal and protecting capitalism mm-hmm. with like hand-wringing id pole so that doesn't make any sense so another thing in this that was driving me up a fucking wall <laughs> is embodying the evil 
in shape-shifting, assimilating alien invaders. I feel like I'm taking fucking crazy pills <laughs> because I've seen this movie and they are not shapeshifters. They are not shapeshifters. They're not. The whole thing is that they use the radio tower to make your brain see them as people. They don't shapeshift. No. They look like that. The sunglasses make the thing not work. Right. And There's I'm, no shifting happening. I'm pretty sure shapeshifting isn't even an anti-Semitic trope. That's like a Native American thing. Skinwalkers, yeah, like, or um, shape- East Asian. Uh, there's a lot of right. like, uh, uh, but Jewish people are lizards. Is yeah. is the anti-Semitic trope? Which I guess like you shift into lizard. No, I think they're just wearing masks or something. I don't know what. The- also, I'm not a Nazi. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe I'm gonna get a little uh, Andy Rooney about this, but uh, <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> Reptilians were just reptilians. Reptilians, okay. George W. Bush was a reptilian when I was a kid. Yeah, yes. You know, like my favorite thing was this. I got to show it to you at some point. But there's this old video on YouTube. It's like old, old YouTube shit of you know all the people that this guy thinks are reptilians. Oh, I think I and have. And the end of it is George Bush flipping off the camera, and then his eyes are snake eyes. Yeah. Nobody's saying. George W. Bush is secretly Jewish. That's not what you're saying when you're saying he's a reptilian. You're saying he's a secret alien. Yeah. It's a different thing. Also, <laughs> also, I've definitely seen those uh, of Obama and Hillary. Yes. Like, it's a... Also not secret Jews. Nobody a, thinks that. It's a right-wing thing. Yeah. And it's against liberals who are pussies. Sure. And more often, I guess, Jewish, but more often black. Or I think or that whatever. it goes like, further than that, even because I think that back in the day, this was just about weird, crazy people. Like I don't think it was liberal or conservative. I think that yes. George W. Bush was a was a you know a reptilian. So was Dick Cheney. Like yeah. these are weirdos who read about fucking Nibiru and Planet X, <laughs> and, and that's what they thought. And they look back in the history books and they're yeah. like, look at all the snakes and serpents. Right. What does it mean? Why does every culture have a myth about dragons? <laughs> what does it mean? They came down from heaven. They came down from the skies. That's why we have the pyramids. Nobody thinks. Well, I guess actually people do think Jews built the pyramids, but I don't know. That's about an that interesting one. connection point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the fact is, is that this is all just completely buying hook, line, and sinker fascist drift. Yeah, that if if fascists can take something and use it for their messaging, then it is that, and you're not allowed to like it, and you're not allowed to like say it as it's like like um, if you can if fascists can take socialism it's mm-hmm. like saying you can't be socialist because the nazis were national socialists right it's yeah. like no you fucking idiot <laughs> that's not how fucking anything works thing. yeah it's it's <laughs> also for a more modern example it's like how i have a uh, yellow tipped fred perry shirt that i just can't wear now because everybody has bought into the idea you that, have like, the proud boy shirt of course yeah because i'm a <laughs> punk and that's what you got when you know when you need a nice shirt okay. and now i have to have other types of shirt because all these libs have decided that the nazis own a shirt now right like it wasn't us who decided that yeah. it wasn't fred perry wearers <laughs> yeah and fuck it wasn't fred perry either the fucking right. company was like hey don't wear a shirt anymore and they don't <laughs> the proud boys don't even wear fred perry's anymore <laughs> But we still can't wear them. Anyway. But that's the thing. You can't give up things just because not... Like, you can't... If you have no morality or ethics or ideology, this is the kind of argument you make. Yeah. If you don't have any understanding of what's good and bad, but just what is aesthetically taken by fascists, 
and that's bad, right? <laughs> then you don't know anything because you don't know what's good. Yeah, essentially, if you're saying, if your point drills down to Carpenter is broadcasting messages he doesn't understand, then what you're saying is that Carpenter didn't mean to do this. What you're really just pointing out is it's the same thing that they put in the other thing. Right. You know, it's like it's it's like making note of the fact that somebody wore a red shirt because somebody else did. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's these aren't valuable insights. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes on to say that the the most damning uh, scene in the movie. Oh yeah, okay, the so. significant centerpiece of the film is a fight in which Nada physically forces his black friend to put on glasses. A white man is forcing a black man to see the truth, and it's like, what are you talking about? You're Jewish. <laughs> You're not black, and uh, like black people are in his mentions being like, that is not what the movie is trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what. Sometimes we're just people in a movie and it's not a racial thing. Right. <laughs> and he's like, actually, it is. And like a big part of the, like, the second half of the movie is that the two of them like work together. Right. Once they see the truth or whatever. Yeah. Because the idea isn't that he made the glasses. He's, it's not white man's glasses. Yeah, it's no, truth glasses. glasses. Just were like around, right? Yeah. It was like a, I, don't know, I haven't seen the movie in a long time now. He gets them like off the back of a truck, yeah, or something. A and white he, truck, a white truck. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Yourself. Anyway, anyway, yeah. So uh, the the article goes on quite like this for a while. Yeah. So the the last bit is it's also significant that the centerpiece of the film is a fight in which Nada physically forces his black friend Frank to put on the glasses, but the glasses in practice conscript Frank as a soldier under Nada's leadership. No. His autonomy effectively <laughs> evaporates and he follows his white friend's lead into That's a barrage of gunfire a lie. and his own untimely death. Has he been enlightened? Or has he been sent to what Jordan Peele might call <laughs> the sunken place? This is offensive. <laughs> no doubt, many will ignore They Live's warning and conclude that the only message is the obvious message. That's the genius of the film, which lulls you to sleep by the very blaring insistence with which it tells you to wake up. It Wait. gives you glasses that you may not see. What? What? The what? Fuck? <laughs> so is he saying it's on purpose? Like, he, or is it by accident? Yeah. Like, <laughs> is he saying that John Carpenter made a genius film that is anti-Semitic? You fucking idiot! What the fuck? <laughs> oh, that na- that name check of Jordan Peele is very funny because I'm pretty sure Jordan Peele has talked extensively about how much he likes They Live. <laughs> yeah. No, he doesn't care. He doesn't. He doesn't expect you to like actually research this or know anything. He's just trying to fuck with you. Anyway, let's let's move on to the Santa Claus. Okay. It's Christmas, everybody. It's Christmas. Hey. Cue up those jingle bells. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this week we watched The Santa Claus. Yes. With Tim Allen and Judge Reinhold. <laughs> and no one else. And nobody else. <laughs> yeah. But you knew Bernard, right? Uh no, I just liked Bernard when I was little. Okay. Like I thought he was a good actor, and then mm-hmm. I thought that he must have grown up to be somebody who was a continued acting. Right. But he didn't. He didn't, no. Nobody He's, did, it seems like. He wasn't really anybody. But yeah, directed by John Pasquin, the, who was basically like Tim Allen's lackey. Yeah. I looked into him. I was trying to find like anything to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and like one of the things that I found was, yeah, he like all of his projects are with Tim Allen. Right. Uh, they're like sidekicks and he like 
produced Home Improvement and then directed this and Jungle to Jungle and Joe Somebody mm-hmm. and like most of the movies that Tim Allen was in really early on and then like just Miss Congeniality 2 and that, like <laughs> then a bunch of TV. So yeah, did you ever see Jungle to Jungle? Oh yeah, yeah, that's the one with like um, his son is from like a jungle island. It's a very weird movie. Yeah, because it's like a remake. Son from a jungle island. <laughs> it's a remake of a French film. Is it really called Little Indian Big City? What? <laughs> yeah, which I've also seen uh-huh. and is also really strange because right. it's that French sort of uh, sense of humor where it's like incredibly stuffy and then slapstick out of nowhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Interesting. Uh-huh. It's just like very slow, really well shot, and then just like. Someone will like sit on a tack, but oh, oh, oh! <laughs> okay, is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> where is the Where is the kid from in that? I don't know. In an island. It's been a long time. <laughs> okay, so quick synopsis of the Santa Claus is uh, Tim Allen is a father who works really hard at the old toy company, doesn't have time for his kid, and his kid is just not having it anymore. Yeah, he's a big-time salesman. Yeah, big-time salesman, no time for his kid. Kid isn't happy. So kid has to spend Christmas with him. He's really not excited about it. Yeah. And then... He uh, hates his dad. He hates his dad. And his dad seems to hate him pretty much, too. (laughs) It doesn't seem like either of them like each other. (laughs) He doesn't have friends. He doesn't doesn't have friends. He doesn't have anything in his life. He doesn't love anyone. He lives in an empty house, essentially. (laughs) Um, but so then, uh, in the middle of the night, Christmas night, uh, mm. he, he goes outside and he hears something on his roof. What is it? Santa Claus. Santa, Santa Claus. Claus slips on the snow, falls off the roof, dies instantly. <laughs> <laughs> and then due to the only reason this movie got made, which is a pun, right? uh, Very due, strange. due to the clause in the Santa contract, it means... That Tim Allen now has to be Santa until he dies, I he guess. He doesn't have a choice. No choice. <laughs> yeah. And he's very incredulous about this. Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't sign anything. <laughs> I so they he has he does the first few stops and then he gets taken back to uh the North Pole mm-hmm. by the sleigh, which is has a mind of its own. Yep. An elf named Bernard shows him around and is like, Okay, you're the new Santa Claus. Um, See you, you next year. You have eleven months to get yourself and your affairs in order, and you'll yeah. be back here. If I get your affairs in order, it seems to mean get fat. Like that seems to be <laughs> develop what a taste for milk is. and cookies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so then he goes home, and some hijinks ensue, and he like gets fat, and he gets a white beard, and then uh, his family starts to worry, yeah, <laughs> about him, and then they uh, there's like a whole divorce thing that's happening with like uh, uh, custody of the kid and, and then uh, well it seems like they are divorced they are and divorced, they yeah. have a, a a situation where you know he spends some time there you know they have joint custody and I think what happens is is that this is a little bit confusing because mm-hmm. the establishment of how much time is passing is very bad yes. like they assume that you're gonna get that it's a year by the time Christmas comes around right. again in the movie, that it's been a year. But like, at what point anything else takes place is very confusing. Yeah. Um. Sometime. Sometime. Yeah. <laughs> who, who knows how much time has passed? Um. But it's a whole year, and so during over this year, as Tim Allen starts to get fat <laughs> and grow his hair out, um, magically, and right. it turns white. Um. Once that happens, they start getting a little scared that he... There's one scene where they're in a park, he looks like Santa, and the mom is like, 
I never would have thought you would have changed your appearance to get Charlie to like you. Yeah. So. You know how kids want to fuck Santa. (laughs) Yeah, the kid loves Santa so much that she thinks that the dad is changing his appearance purely for that reason. Right. Which I guess is weird and And creepy. And I guess like part of it too is that they're trying to convince the kid that Santa doesn't exist and he doesn't want to believe it. And then they've really got because he goes to the North Pole. He now knows Santa exists, right? But then the he parents is. think he's crazy, right? Um, and so anyway, so the point is that they think that Tim Allen is poisoning the kid's mind, and so they rip the family apart. They take away his custody, and then Christmas happens, <laughs> and he goes and he does Christmas, and then throughout the process of doing Christmas, it means now that he's allowed to see his kid again, right? Because at some point, so the. The stepdad of of the kid is named Neil, played by Judge Reinhold. In one of his the the character actor in the, you in the get sunset of his career when I'd you yeah, the character actor you get when you want a sniveling lib uh-huh. who, who you just automatically hate. That's that's him. Um, Although he's he had some cool guy roles early on, but he was always um, a douchebag. No, 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 no. He's a cool guy in stripes. He is? I'm pretty sure, yeah. There's, Or at least, I mean, I'm thinking of, I guess, that he shows up hungover in the Death Before Disco shirt, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but mostly he plays an asshole. Yeah, or yeah like, mostly he's just like a douche. Yeah, just a douchey guy. So he's the stepdad, and he's a psychiatrist. Or a psychiatrist? Yeah, he's a psychiatrist. Some kind of therapist. Yeah, no, a psychiatrist, for sure. Tim Allen... I made note of it. ...hates this. Yeah. He doesn't like the idea of psychiatry, and... The movie believes that psychiatrists are some sort of materialists who don't like imagination or fantasy, and they only ever talk about emotions in their real lives and are constantly psychoanalyzing people and trying to make sure that they're believing the real things. Like he's a philosopher or something. Yeah. Um, You know who he reminded me of was, uh, did you watch The Sopranos? Nope. Um, so there's the main psychiatrist character on The Sopranos is the Dr. Girl. Melfi. Yeah. And then later, uh, we start to get more of an insight into her life and we meet her psychiatrist and her psychiatrist is the most psychiatrist guy in the world because <laughs> okay. they, as, as creators have to sell to you, the audience, the idea that this psychiatrist has a psychiatrist. So they have to make this guy really a psychiatrist (laughs) and so he's just like really quiet and like very thoughtful and like Mm -hmm. but he like never seems to have anything else going on except to be like and what did you think of that Uh uh-huh you know you have to you have to disengage when that happens that's like his whole role in the show well who's he played by I don't remember. Oh, okay. Doesn't matter. So he reminds you of that guy. Yeah, Judge Reynolds character in this reminds me of that where like they just have to sell that he's a, a psychiatrist. Yeah. Because I mean, I guess it's a kids movie, so you have to, you know, you have to like play everything really bright colors, really big gestures in order to sell to a kid. But then it's a weird choice overall to have a psychiatrist there. <laughs> I know. Well, especially in the setting of a movie <laughs> that centers around a divorce. Right. Because psychiatry is a big part of the early stages of a divorce. Kids go to psychiatrists for the first time when their parents go through a divorce. I think that's why it's like this. Yeah. Because this is like a big... This is shot and directed... This this movie was released in 1994 mm-hmm. when 
kids movies were shot like die hard like <laughs> like they didn't really know how to like because it's really all just like 40 year old white guys who are doing coke getting divorces <laughs> and hating their wife's new husband or whatever right. so it, it feels very much like a movie written for tim allen yeah like it's a movie written by and for guys like tim allen who mm-hmm. are like salesmen who have who have their shit together but like are just emotionally closed off and need to like learn how to open up to their kids yeah <laughs> like it's not really a kid's movie or to me it didn't feel like it didn't feel watching it now like right. oh a kid would love this uh-huh. like it felt like a movie that was a Kramer versus Kramer with man, like with Santa <laughs> there is like there is stuff in this that i think a kid would like i think part of what i so okay so 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 high level before we get too far into it what yeah. did you think of the movie uh well this is a weird one because i saw it a lot as a kid mm-hmm, i remember too. having this on vhs and i remember watching it fairly regularly especially around christmas time not anywhere near as much as jingle all the way right which I'm now realizing we should have done because it's I a much better movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, um, I still love that movie. Very similar movies too. Yes, I about think. a dad trying to get, keep his family together, mm-hmm. but around the holidays, take place in these like small, beautiful, picturesque American cities. It's right. really weird, like how similar those two are, and they have like <laughs> somebody as the father who was like peaking as a star at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big Very. time for like divorced dad comedy. Because <laughs> yeah. also, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is around the same time too. Oh, yeah. He's not divorced, though. He's, like, on the verge of, oh, like... Oh, Jingle All the Way? Yeah, because Phil Hartman's trying to fuck his wife. Yeah, exactly. Which is very funny. That's very funny. Uh, <laughs> um, but in this movie, yeah, it's sort of a similar plot line. Oh, oh, you asked me if I like it. Yeah, um, yeah now as an adult, As an adult, it. I was mostly very bored. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a pretty slow movie. It's, like I said, I wrote in my note that it's directed like Die Hard. Like, yeah. it... It looks very plain. Mm-hmm. Like all of the all of the stuff in the normal world looks like any other '90s movie. But honestly, it looks more like an '80s movie. Like yeah. just on that cusp of like we really don't know how to shoot anything other than this flat like action movie palette. Right, because later '90s kids movies are things like Harriet the Spy or right. Like it was that bef- type of thing where it starts to get really big. You know, all right. of like the the all the shots are like really close and like people's expressions are really huge and like mm-hmm. there's a lot of like i feel like they do a lot of like above angle like sort of shots of kids later yeah. there's a lot of like zaniness yeah in all of the choices later on after sort of nickelodeon takes hold right N- once nickelodeon sort of becomes the mtv of kids movies or kids shows mm-hmm. and it's like there's this irreverence that's necessary for kids to even give a shit I feel like this was before that. Just like yeah. like even Nickelodeon was still on the cusp of like figuring that out. And once like Gak took over and Slime took over, like right. it just had to be wacky. Yeah, it has to get more more and more like the movie equivalent of bright color slime. You hate your parents. This is literally not for them. Yeah. Don't come, parents. Yeah, you hate your parents. You hate the postman. Yeah. Every movie, <laughs> they hate the postman. I don't know why. He's scary, I guess. He's a stranger who comes yeah, to your house. I, I don't, know. I don't but know. But this is not like that. It feels like it's directed for the parents. Yeah. Um, it's a very simple, solidly shot movie. Um, and Tim Allen is just not funny to me. 
Yeah, he's, he's not funny. It's in this extremely at all. boring. There's a reason why they had to like add in two farts to the movie. Like there's two oh, points yeah. in this movie Comet, where they clearly later on added a fart. The reindeer farts. The reindeer farts, and then he farts and he wakes up once. Oh, and it's yeah. the same sound. It's the same exact. That's the punch they didn't up. Get the second <laughs> fart sound. They didn't pay for it. Kids are just like sleeping because it's like, what's happening in this movie? But He's the just, thing like, is, I remember baby. as a kid, I loved it. I definitely loved it as a kid. Yes. I thought it was a fun movie. I don't really remember loving it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember being like, let's watch the Santa Claus all the time. Yeah. I remember being like, yeah, I'll watch that. That seems good. <laughs> I mean, I remember thinking Bernard was very cool. Yes, me too. Um, because he Every, has well, that's the thing. dreadlocks. <laughs> Every part in the North Pole, that was amazing. Because mm-hmm. that that's it, it's shot the same, but it is art directed by a different person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's this very inventive, beautiful, like yeah. it's like a it's like a Bloomingdale's window display, but right. like the size of a football field. It looks like the set of a '90s Nickelodeon show. It yeah. looks like a like um, what was the um, the guess the guessing one, the one where guessing? it's like a panel and you have like a secret talent and they have to guess it. I don't remember. There was a show on Nickelodeon where like it was like three stars from Nickelodeon would sit at a little panel thing and then somebody would come out and they'd be like they'd have a secret video where they'd be like my secret talent is I can turn my thumb totally backwards. God, I remember that. And then I have no idea what that was called. Ask like uh, yes or or yeah, yes or no questions to try to get to it. Anyway. Yeah, that I even remember the host was Summer Sanders. This is ridiculous. <laughs> How do I not remember the name of the fucking show? Wasn't she from uh, Hey Dude? She was like an Olympian, I think. Oh, She might okay. have been like an athlete. <laughs> okay. I anyway, like- the point is, um, yeah, it. that's one of the things that I made note of is that I think that one of the most interesting things about this that is worth noting is that it's unlike other uh, Christmas movies of that era, and, and really in general, mm-hmm. in that it is really, really preoccupied with like world building right like it's really really interested in developing this idea of you become santa Mm -hmm. you know like he kills santa so he has to become santa they go through why that happens the transformation that happens they like build out the idea of like the north pole as a workplace in a really intense way (laughs) (laughs) well that's a that's the interesting thing i think as a kid what was fascinating to me was that stuff Mm -hmm. where it was like it really hammers up watching it now it does not trust its audience at all to understand anything right like that every part about the concepts around the movie you hear them four times Mm -hmm. like tim allen is like i don't want to do this when can i go home bernard is like literally shouting at him like you are santa now you can't go back on this this is the santa claus yeah we're gonna read it out loud (laughs) And even then, clause like clause, yeah. <laughs> you know, like a clause of a contract, a clause. <laughs> like, well, that's tough because that's a pun that even adults missed. Like, right. I, I remember still to this day hearing people talk about like I didn't realize that it was a pun <laughs> because it's really stupid. Yeah, it's real. That you dumb. made a whole movie based around. That's what I'm saying. It seems like it was written by people on cocaine. Yeah, who are like doing like contract work at Christmas we're like Claus huh Santa Claus hey Santa Claus Claus. hey 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 (laughs) Santa Claus no but like a clause (laughs) 
guys, a clause in a contract, yeah. but it's Santa. What happens? What happens? <laughs> you have to become Santa. It's really fun to think about yeah. spitballing that idea, and I could completely see how they got exactly where they got. Right, because it it's written by and for people who know what a contract clause is in 1994. Yeah, so every, so people who do cocaine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, this is a coke Tim movie. Allen. This is absolutely a coke movie. Yes. Um, and Tim Allen, yeah. Tim Allen... Uh, famously arrested famously for arrested coke. Famously arrested for uh, trafficking cocaine. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Um, wow. And so I'm saying that all of a the sudden, they, they re- feel really unconfident in their own idea because they're like does this make any sense yeah and so they write over and over again it's like well there's this world there's all these rules and here's how you as a kid can still believe in this concept because the north pole is a factory like a business like there's all these rooms of like this here's where we make the balls here's where the video games are and very early on we're treated to a moment with bernard and one of the elves where like the elf is talking to santa for too long and he's like what do you want a fucking coffee break get back to work (laughs) you're right and and so it sets the stakes early on that like this is a workplace there is a job to do Mm -hmm. you know and, and and it's Seemingly not very nice for these eternal beings. <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes it. They're just doing it because they have to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Oh, so one of the things also is that, like, the elves are, like, immortal, ancient beings. Right, but they look like children. But they look like children, and that's kind of the whole thing with them. But then, like, this is another thing that they, they lose confidence in this idea so fast Mm -hmm. where they write these lines like the one that sticks out to me is when she's like giving him the hot chocolate yep and she's like (laughs) it took me a thousand years to make this recipe for hot chocolate and he tastes he's like it's really good and she's like extra chocolate and you're like that's what you wrote (laughs) that's what you wrote to like signify that these people are like artisans that are a thousand years old all you did extra chocolate you couldn't have him be like Man, it's wild that you guys make Nerf guns, and they're just like, yeah, a thousand years, you learn how to make styrofoam. You know, right. like there's all sorts of stuff that you could, you know, you could add in there. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, they just said, yeah, extra chocolate. <laughs> right. So yeah, it it definitely like that scene is also particularly weird because it's like, what kind of fucking Jeffrey Epstein shit is this? When yes. he was like, you look really good for your age because he's making a joke. Dude, there's a lot of weird sexual things in this i know not like sexual jokes or like it reminds me of a talking cat (laughs) okay so you've seen a talking yes right so one of the things that makes that movie so great is that the director other than doing talking animal movies only does softcore skinamax gay porn (laughs) yes and so you can tell from the way the actors interact with each other that the person directing them only knows how to build a certain type of scene. <laughs> and so there's all this weird sexual tension. And so as I was watching this, the reason why I went to go look up the director is because I was like, what else has this guy directed right. that all of these characters seem like they kind of want to fuck each other? <laughs> like later there's, and and I feel weird saying this because it's a scene between two children. Right. But it's when the uh, the elf uh, black ops guys show up. Oh yeah. Like, hey, towards Charlie. the end, like there's there's... <laughs> Santa's in jail, and uh, and the black ops come to get him, and they're called like uh, elves. elves. 
but it's like Earth Liberation Front. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they should come to get him, and then uh, they're talking to Charlie, and it's this scene between the kid and the head of the elf black ops, and they just have a way of talking to each other where I'm like, the elf black ops guy is trying to pick it up. <laughs> yes. There's a weird flirtiness and to I have he's talking. I have to say, as a kid, I understood that. I was uh-huh. like, this kid... If this kid was talking to me that way, I would be very interested. <laughs> like that kid was like, I don't. It's very strange. It's like I, there's a lot of points in this movie that made me uncomfortable as a kid. Yeah, like being a ten year old and hearing other ten year olds talk this way. And as an adult, I was like, I have to shut this off. <laughs> I feel like this. we shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> Why is he talking like that? Yeah, why are kids giving him pajamas? <laughs> like, because everybody there is a kid, but they're an ancient being. There's, like, a weird question about, like, yeah. is it okay to, like... <laughs> they're ancient beings, you know? Yeah, like, why do they look, like, ten years old? Yeah, and I feel like that decision... <laughs> honestly, I think that that decision probably wasn't... Whoever made that decision didn't immediately think about it. Like, that was probably something they came up with. They're like, oh, they'll all be kids, but of course they'll be older. Right. Did not think about how that would affect the rest of the movie. Right. <laughs> like, what are we going to get kid, like actual children to say? And I feel like that's why the Bernard seems like an older guy. Mm-hmm. He's like He's a couple 12. years older, yeah. He's, He's like, like 14 15, or something. Yeah. And like, because it would be weird for uh, an actual child or like a, an under 10 child. Because everyone else in the, sh- in the factory is... Like seven. (laughs) It's really bizarre. Yeah, it needed to be an older character because he couldn't sell a lot of his lines otherwise with like the obviously like scolding the others for not working hard enough. But then also later when he like shows up at their house and he's like, you guys ever heard of basting? This turkey sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Like you couldn't do that with a kid. You'd be so annoyed. Yeah. And he gives off this sort of like elderly Jewish man, like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, like who's just like bartering for something at a yeah. deli counter. He's like, He's... "Listen, buddy, <laughs> you're Santa now." <laughs> Dude, what's weird is like, I was into that as a kid. Yeah, like that's an early weird crush. Like, I liked Bernard. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I was a huge Bernard stan. It's fucking weird. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Like, do adult directors direct kids in such a way that they understand this is the kid who the other kids are going to want to... I don't know how that... You know, you're a kid, you don't even really know yet, like, what you want to do, but you're just like, I like that guy. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, do I feel like I want to be friends? Like, that's what, as a kid, you're like, I want to be real close friends. good friends. (laughs) I want him to hang out and show me how to beat Dr. Robotnik later. Yeah. I, I wanted to show him my Star Wars toys. <laughs> yeah. In my room. <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> yes. I don't know how else to describe this. Um, but is that like a conscious choice? Because I remember when I watched The Wonder Years well, as it an makes adult me... being like, it's weird how much they sexualize Winnie Cooper. Yeah. Well, that's what makes me like really feel weird about 
all of it. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think adult men should be making movies about children. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's just kids like, should be directing this. I, somehow. <laughs> somehow, yeah. I don't know, because it makes me feel like I don't trust these people. I don't right. trust these Hollywood cocaine people to be, like, making this movie. Yeah. So, I think there. I think my problem with the movie now as an adult is there's this aura of distrust right. where I'm just like, you made a movie that somehow appealed to kids, not because it's loud, not because it's like, don't trust your parents, not because it really makes you feel anything. Because I, even as a kid, I remember not really caring about the Christmas part of it. Mm-hmm. Like, it just looks cool. And I was more interested in the world building and the characters. Right. Um, specifically Bernard and the elf kid. <laughs> the Black Ops kid. Yeah. Um, the main Charlie character sucks. He's a yeah, bad actor. No, he's, he's annoying. He could be fucking gone. Yeah. <laughs> Get um, out of here. But Give me like, Jake Lloyd. I wasn't like, oh, Santa's so cool. Like I liked the sort of idea yeah, that there uh-huh. was a there was this sort of like industry that you could learn about about how the myths work. Right. They should have done an extended universe. They did. They made two and three. Yeah. No. But I mean, like, they should have like opened it up and like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> make a Star Wars stuff, yeah. EU. Um. Yeah. And so it gets really strange. Um. Watching this as an adult because you don't know what it's you're supposed to be taking from it. Right. And especially because it ends seemingly without. A, like a moral a resolution. or anything like it's just nobody learns anything it seems except not to trust psychiatrists and not to trust stepdads yeah like that's the big payoff ending of this is that uh after making fun of him the whole movie never once being like dominated by him like it's not like this yeah. is tim allen coming out from beneath somebody who's been dominating him yeah this is a guy who he's been bullying the whole movie who he ends up being like and i was right and then <laughs> he's like hey you know you'd like he he's talking to charlie the stepdad's talking to charlie and he's like you know you'd be a really good psychiatrist and he's like no thanks i'm gonna go into the family business yeah. he emphasizes family so hard as if to just be like you will never be a never <laughs> replace tim allen judge <laughs> reinhold you will never <laughs> And then, lo and behold, neither of them have a career, like, five years later. Right. <laughs> but it, it seems like, I think, the, the the letter of the script, the moral of the story, is that Tim Allen's transformation, his hero's journey, was mm-hmm. that he wasn't giving his family enough time. He wasn't being emotionally forward with his, his ex-wife and his son and wasn't putting in the effort. And right. through the magic of Christmas putting on him that he has to be Santa. I guess you get paid for being Santa somehow. Like, what yeah. do you do the rest of the year? Uh, I don't know. Uh-huh. Lots of questions. But um, <laughs> we don't have time. But what we do find out is that through the magic of Christmas, he is accepting of his son's beliefs, of his his wife's need to see the kid, and his wife's need to have a new husband, and to spend time with his family. Right. That's sort of like... It, but you don't really get it. Yeah, there's no like, like there's one scene where he's like, "I'm gonna leave you presents, shit you wanted when you were a kid." Yeah, and that's gonna solve everything. There's also the weirdest scene is when Judge Reinhold and the wife uh, realize he's Santa by looking at him. Yeah, I don't get what's happening in that scene. They're just like, it's just suddenly the whole he just like came together and he's he like gives him a weird like sultry look and like Santa. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, are wait, you wait. fucking Santa? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Are you fucking are Santa? Are you fucking Santa? Oh my God. God. Oh my God. <laughs> And that's yeah, how that's how weird. that's that's how that scene goes. And then Judge Reinhold literally just like puts his head on his hands and walks away. Yeah, he just can't take it. He can't take it. They almost both cry because they're looking at Santa Claus. It's very weird. It's like a Jesus moment yeah, where it's, it's like, like looking into the face of God. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> fuck me. Oh, You're fuck, Santa. It's Santa. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, very strange. It feels like they're like it feels like a mushroom trip at that point. Yeah, it's get like really deeply emotional and like really muted in a weird way. Where like there's the scene where Judge Reinhold gets his little weenie whistle that he wanted as a kid. And he's like a weenie whistle, <laughs> <laughs> and he like blows on it for like too long. It's fucking weird. This is a the, weird movie. Yeah. <laughs> It's so strange. It's it's sick. There's something else going on. <laughs> I did not come to this episode thinking I was going to agree with that sentiment, but it 100% yeah, is. Yeah, this is like code. It, this it, is <laughs> somehow involved in Pizzagate. And we, like, there's something to this that people watch and they're like, mm-hmm, right on, buddy. I see a, what you say. There is an industry <laughs> being hidden by the myths <laughs> of culture, of capitalism, Look that is about it. children. <laughs> And figuring out how to spend time with them. <laughs> Look through history. Why does every civilization have creation myths about children? Why are there children in the stories of every ancient civilization? Why do we give them gifts? Children came down from the planet Nibiru. <laughs> it runs a semi-elliptical orbit around our orbit. Right. And it, it only passes in uh, during the age of Aquarius. <laughs> Yeah. Have you never heard of waves <laughs> below human hearing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It gets... Our Anunnaki. <laughs> it gets weird. And yeah. I think it's hard to really recommend this movie. No, would not recommend. Not recommend. Because it's, it's, it's boring for most of it. Mm-hmm. And most of the parts that are supposed to be emotional are incredibly uncomfortable because... Everyone seems like they're either wanting to fuck children or... They're children who want to fuck children yeah, also. Or that. Or um, they're adults who don't know how to express anything. Like, they're always like... Like, even the fighting doesn't seem realistic. Right. Like, the wife and the, the stepdad and Tim Allen all have, like, arguments the whole time. Mm-hmm. And they don't... Only Tim Allen seems realistically like a shithead, snippy guy. Right. But, like, the wife is just like, oh, my God. Well, there's one part where she cries and it's like very believable and good, but otherwise, Which one? she's like in court, I think, and she starts crying about mystery date. I don't remember, but she's crying about something, and I remember being like, "Okay, she's like acting." Yeah, now. yeah, but most of it but is most of it is pretty acting. bad. Uh, yeah, they're they're all their chemistry as adults is just not in. They're not interested yeah. in that. That movie's not interested in it, and the movie is unclear what it is interested in but what it's mostly interested in is terrible cgi yeah terrible cgi (laughs) terrible sound effects right and tim allen having a david cronenberg movie happen to him Uh where he's just like gaining weight and hairs growing out of all all over his body and also it's very interested in how fucking sick it would be if there was a kid but they were an adult yes 
the fuck? <laughs> like, just having the idea for this movie should have sent this guy directly to jail. <laughs> you j- there's no saving it. You just have to send this guy to the... The prison. Straight yeah. to the electric chair. We're bringing it back. <laughs> so, I don't know. This movie is clearly, like, trying to say something, but it's very confused about what, what it is. Yeah. It kind of ends up just being like, Santa is someone who gives you gifts that you want if you are good and good just means being nice to people yeah and that means you get stuff and also sometimes you have to get to work at thanksgiving time in order to work until christmas and you bring your son with you and then nobody asks where he's been for a month that's (laughs) also part of it sometimes (laughs) anyway uh thank you for listening to generation (laughs) uh we'll be back next week uh with a movie about new year's or whatever i don't know Oh, we'll, 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 watch, we'll watch something. Whatever. But yeah. <laughs> we'll watch something. <laughs> we will tell you what we'll watch yeah. when you hear the next episode. Right. But yeah, thank you oh, so we much. We watch um, Hackers. People want us to watch Hackers. <gasps> hackers? I love Hackers. I also love Hackers. I have hackers. a lot to say about Hackers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch fucking Hackers. We're doing that next week. Okay. All right, see a- you all next week for Hackers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen to our other podcasts and follow us on Twitter because we love you. Because we love you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And no other holidays. (laughs) (laughs) You went to the presidential inauguration, right? I was invited by, uh, we did a VIP thing for the the vets and went to the Veterans Ball. And so I went to go see Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, I went to the inauguration. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attacking you. You get this down. (laughs) I'm not getting, you gotta be real careful around here. You know, you get beat up. If you don't believe what everybody believes, this is like 30s Germany. I don't know what, I don't know what happened.